Thank you for tuning in to the Remodel Church Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and encourages your daily life. Hey, this morning we start a brand new series called Out of the Wilderness. And you guys look great in orange. Turn to somebody that is wearing orange and say, you look great in orange. And now turn to somebody that's not wearing orange and say, you would look better in orange today. You would look better in orange today. Out of the Wilderness. Out of the Wilderness is a series that we're starting today. And, and I'm just going to be sharing with you guys a few stories of, of, of mine from out of the deer woods and what God has taught me uh, through that. The story that I'm going to share with you guys today actually started... Uh, somewhere around nine years ago, uh, eight or nine years ago, through friendships of um, to the family. Actually, actually, if I'm honest, it actually started like 20-something years ago. Um, my parents take me and my sister. This is before my brother was even born. We go to Colorado, and uh, we're going with a mutual friend who is who uh, who has passed away now, but. Um, Brother Robbins, man, what an incredible man of God he was. He was a missionary evangelist just going around the United States and preaching. And uh, he was one of those guys that carried an RV. You guys remember those kind of guys that would uh, hook up to an RV and just go to church, to church, to church? That's what he did. He and his wife literally lived out of the RV for months at a time. And they were out of Hot Springs, Arkansas, and great friends of my parents. And they invited us to go with them on a hunting trip to Colorado. And I'm too young to remember very much about the trip. Uh, I remember two things. I remember I almost froze to death. I remember that because we were sleeping in a tent. And I also remember, I guess it was in, in, the, in between hunts, uh, Brother Robbins takes me, Brother Rogers takes me down to um, a, uh, a, a river there close by where we were uh, camping. And, he said, and there was this group of fish. I didn't know that a group of fish was called, what, what are they? A school. So you're smarter than what I was at five years old or six years old. And so he looks at me and he says, hey, that's a school of fish. And I crack up laughing. I thought he was telling a joke. And then, and then since I started laughing, he's like, yeah, there's a bus driver. There's some blah, blah. Anyways. And while we were there, we met uh, a man by the name of Tom Henry, who has grown. I have grown to love him and his family so, so much. And uh, about nine years ago, he reached back out to my father and said, hey, every year we go to a place called Thayer, Missouri, and we camp the first weekend of deer season. And, and we hunt. Why don't you guys, why don't you bring up your boys and, and uh, let's just, let's camp and let's hunt and, and maybe you'll get to kill something. And, and so we load up. It's me, my father, and my brother. And we load up. We go up north to Thayer, Missouri, and we camp. And it was just like, Nothing that I've ever been a part of before, just the camaraderie, the fun. And man, we grew, and, and, and since then, we have strengthened. I, since then, I have only missed two uh, weekends of, uh, of hunting in Thayer, Missouri. And uh, both of them were because of you. No, I'm kidding. Uh, the, 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 first time, the first time was whenever it was in the early days of the church, and uh, we didn't have the team that we have today. And so I decided, you know what, I don't need to go. I don't need to miss this weekend. I'm going to stay here. And, uh, and it hurt a little bit, but it was okay. And the second time that I missed was actually last year. Um, about mid-October, my father calls me and says, hey, 
Um, I was going to go to Guatemala, but there's some things going on. I'm not going to be able to go. And I'm wondering if you would like to take my place. And I'm like, sure, what are the dates? And then he tells me the dates. And it's like, the day we get back would be opening day. That's, that's the night that we get back. And I'm like, let me pray about it. <laughs> and I really didn't pray about it. I said, no, you know what? I, 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 this is probably something that I need to do. So I get off the phone with my dad. I book my airplane tickets. And then I call my buddies and I tell them I'm not going to be there this year. I hate it. I'm sorry. But uh, I just feel like this is a place that I need to go to. And this is, this is something that I need to do. And so the week before... Uh, I'm in, I'm in Guatemala, and man, I'm, I'm preaching my heart out. And, and matter of fact, in, in one of the services especially, I can remember so much how God used me to speak uh, directly to the pastors and, and, and especially those who have children about not neglecting their family, not neglecting their kids because of the ministry. And incredible, I, I, I truly believe that that moment right there is why I was supposed to be in Guatemala. And, uh, and that moment was so powerful. But still, I remember Saturday morning. I remember Friday night, matter of fact. I remember Friday night thinking, well, maybe I can book an early flight. Or, or Thursday night, I'm thinking, maybe I can book an early flight back to Friday. And I can just make, I can go ahead and get in and I can drive there. And then I start looking at plane tickets. And I'm like, eh, maybe not. Maybe not. And uh, so I remember the saddest trip home of my life. Like, I, like. Cue the violins. I'm looking out the plane window as my phone is blowing up with texts from Thayer, Missouri of the best year they have ever had. I'm talking about big buck after big buck. And I remember just almost crying as I'm looking at my phone. Some of you guys don't get this. Some of you guys understand 100% what I'm talking about. And I remember sitting on that plane thinking, God, just, I, I did this. And I felt like this is part of my ministry. This is part of my calling. But God, would you bless me? God, would you just bless me with a big buck whenever I get home? And so Sunday, so I get home Saturday. It was, it was probably somewhere around 2 o'clock in the morning whenever I finally get home. And I wake up early because I've got to be here and do what I usually do. And uh, I remember as soon as church lets out, I, I'm, I'm, I usually stick around here until pretty close to three o'clock but this time as soon as the last person went man I locked the door behind them and I took off I went home I grabbed some lunch put on my 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 hunting gear and I'll go and sit in this clear cut and it's way too early it's like it's like 2 30 in the afternoon but I'm thinking I don't care I just want to be in the woods and the whole time I'm thinking God would you would you just bless me would you God, I, I sacrificed for you. God, I, I gave of my time. I gave of my energy. I gave of my resources. God, would you, just, would you just bless me? I believe that you can send me one of those huge wall mounters. And I'm just kind of, I'm just, I'm sitting in my tripod. And I'm not really paying attention because, again, it's way too early. And I, I'm just kind of like this. When all of a sudden I just, I just go, and the sun was just shining just right. Y'all know what I'm talking about, deer hunters? Shining just right to where you, you just see that brown hair just kind of almost glowing. And so I pull my gun up and I'm thinking, there he is, there he is. I pull my gun up and it's just a doe. So I'm like, okay, well, this, this is cool. I'll watch her for a little bit. And then she does what all of us deer hunters want every doe to do. She does this. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Whenever they start looking back, they start, oh, what's behind her? 
So I get my scope, and I'm, I'm looking through the clear cut, and then finally, all I see is horns. That's all I see is horns. And he's in thicket. He's in, he's in all of this brush. I can't really see, so I'm, I'm kind of trying to look at his body. And then there's like just this perfect circle about that big around of his vitals. Like, that is my shot. Now, if this was a happy story, I would tell you I took the shot, and now he's hanging on my wall. This is not a happy story. So I'm looking at him, I'm watching him, and I'm thinking, you know, you know, this one thought kept running through my mind, and this is where I want to focus our attention today. This one thought kept running through my mind, and it was, it's too good to be true. It's too good to be true, because it's two o'clock in the, in the afternoon. I had just, I mean, I didn't even, I wasn't even quiet heading into my tripod. It was there the whole time. I'm thinking, this is too good to be true. It's probably just a little scrub buck. I'm I'm just going to watch him. And so I did. I sit there and watch him. I can't see anything else except for his vitals. And about five minutes later, he turns and runs away. And oh, my goodness. That was my only thought as he's running away. Now I'm not thinking it's too good to be true. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. Please stop. Please stop. Please stop. Please stop. I almost wanted to just like throw a bullet at him, maybe, you know, throw a prayer at him. But I didn't. And there went my opportunity. I didn't see anything else that day. Matter of fact, I didn't see another buck the rest of the season. And it was all because it was too good to be true. And I want to parallel this story with a man in Mark chapter, uh, I believe it's Mark chapter 9, out of your Bibles. If you would go there with me, Mark chapter 9. We're going to read a few scriptures starting in verse 17 through 29. Before I read this, there's just one, there's just one thought that I, that I want to leave with you with this story before, I, before we go, get, into the, uh, get into the scripture. And that is, what kind of miracles are we missing out on? Because we don't believe that it can happen to us. What kind of miracles, what kind of move of God are we missing out on? Because we don't believe that it can happen to us. Mark chapter 9, verses 17, we'll read from 17 to 29. Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher... I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. He's possessed. He brings his son who is possessed. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered and said, he answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Verse 20, then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. Now highlight this question right here. Highlight this statement more, not not question, this statement. He says, but if you can do anything... Have compassion on us and help us. He's speaking to Jesus. He's speaking to the Son of God. And he says, if you can do anything, if there is anything that you are able to do, then have compassion on us and help us. Verse 23, highlight this scripture. He says, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, 
All things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. I believe that you can do this. I believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, I believe, but it seems like it would be too good to be true. Lord, I believe, but this is kind of one of those things that I hear happening to others not for me. Lord, I believe that you can. I just don't know that you'll do it for me. He says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him. No more than the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him, and he became as one dead. So that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, the disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much this morning. We thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you, God, because we know that you're going to speak to us through this word. So, God, we ask that you would help us to understand your word, help us to receive your word. But, God, more than anything, help us to live your word out. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says amen. 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 It's too good to be true. How many of you guys have heard the statement, have heard the, uh, the saying, if it's too good to be true, it what? It probably is. If it's too good to be, you know, one of those deals that you get in the mail and, hey, blah, 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 blah. oh, well, if it sounds too good to be true, then it probably is. And that's where I found myself that day sitting in that clear cut. And this is where this father finds himself. He's heard and he's known that God is able, that Jesus had done things for other people, but it just seems like it would be too good to be true for him. And so again, I I ask you the question, and I want you guys to really meditate on this. I want you guys to take this question home. What are you missing out on? What are we missing out on because we feel like it's too good to be true? Maybe, maybe there's a dream that you have, or maybe there's, there's something that God has promised you. Maybe there's something straight out of the scripture that has jumped out at you, that has grabbed a hold of your heart at one point, and you believed it so much, and you believed it, and you believed it, but you didn't see it come to fruition at the time that you wanted, so you kind of lost your belief, you kind of lost your hope. What are you missing out on? Because you don't think that it can happen to you. What move of God, maybe in your family? You've heard of how other people's spouses had come to Jesus, but it's too good to be true for your spouse, maybe. You've You've heard of how other parents had their kids go through rebellion stages, but then they ended up coming back to God. They ended up coming back to the family, but it seems like... That's something that happens to them, not to, not to me. Maybe you're, you're battling with some type of sickness or disease and you've heard how God has healed someone else and you've, hear, you've heard how God has restored someone else, but it just seems like that's, again, something you, that's something you hear about on the news or that's something that you watch a video about or that you read in a book, not something that actually happens to me, to you. 
What are you missing out on? What does God have in store for you that God wants to give, that maybe God wants to deliver to you, but you're not receiving because you don't believe it can happen to you? Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 says, And my God shall supply all your need, and listen to this, according to his Riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God's blessings may seem to be too good to be true, but they are real. What God does for us is, seems like, and probably is too good to be true, but it is real. Because God's blessings don't flow from us. They're not dependent on me. They're not dependent on who I am and what I have done. They're not dependent on my character, but they're dependent on God's character. So even if it does seem too good to be true, would you guys agree that the fact that we could find forgiveness and redemption for our mistakes, is that not too good to be true? Come on, somebody. Can we be honest this morning? Can we be, can we be just a little bit real? The fact that we can be cleansed and, and forgiven because of the thoughts that we've had, the actions that we've done, the places that we've gone, the things that we've looked at, the things that we've talked about, that we've said about others, the fact that all of that can be swept away and be made, given us and give us a clean slate is not all of that too good to be true. Come on. It is. But it's very, very real because it's dependent on God, not on us. So I want to give you three steps this morning. I love, I love when this man says, I believe, but God help my unbelief. And maybe some of us are stuck right there. Maybe, maybe we believe, but we need help with our unbelief. Number one, step one is this. Believe that God is able. Mark chapter 9, verses 22 and 23. Jesus asked him, he says, uh, uh, or excuse me, and, and and often he has thrown himself, this is the father speaking, and often he has thrown himself uh, both into the fire and to the water to destroy. But if you can do anything, the father says, if you can. So with that statement, what he's saying is, I'm not even sure if this is above your pay grade. I don't know if this is maybe over your head. I don't know if you're able to, I don't know if you're strong enough. I don't know if you're good enough. I don't know if you're powerful enough. I don't know if you can. Is there anything that you can even do? The father says, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And then Jesus counters that and he says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. So step number one, we have to believe that God is able. We have to believe that God is sovereign. We have to believe that God is all powerful. We have to believe that he is above all things. There is nothing that our God is incapable of doing. There is no sickness, no disease that is higher, that is above God, that is above, that is out of the reach of God's power or the blood of Jesus. There is no uh, sin. There's no mistake. There's no uh, evil that is outside of the reach of the forgiveness of the grace of Jesus. We have to believe this inside of us. We have to believe that God is able. That's step number one. We have to believe that God is able. 
Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Listen, the Bible was left for us so that we could learn God's character. The Bible was left for us so that we could learn God's character. So all of the stories that we read throughout the Bible, they're all there teaching us about who God is, teaching us about how he acts and how he responds and what he does and what he is able and capable of doing. That's why the stories in there about David and Goliath, it's not just a cool story that we can tell our kids It's not just one of those flannel graph stories. Y'all know what I'm talking about, a flannel graph. Those of you that grew up in church in the early 90s know what a flannel graph is. It's not just for the flannel graph, but it's for you and I. And so that we can see, well, hey, whenever a young boy, whenever a person puts their trust in God, then not even this huge giant can stand in his way. And if God can help a little young man defeat a Goliath, a a, a giant in his life, then maybe God can help me defeat the Goliath in my life. That's why that story is there. You guys with me? So the Bible was left for us. It, 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 it was left for us not just as some history book, but it was it's there so that we can learn God's character. It's there so that we can see, hey, if, if Jesus can spit on the ground and, and make a little bit of mud on it and wipe it on somebody's eyes and they can see now, a blind man is able to see now, well, then maybe God can heal me. If God can raise Lazarus out of the grave, then maybe God can heal me. You guys with me? If, if God can use prostitutes in the Bible, then maybe God can use me. Hello, somebody. I didn't call nobody a prostitute. Don't don't get mad at me. But if God can use a murderous uh, man like Saul, then maybe God can use me. If God can change a murderous man like Saul, an evil man like Saul, then maybe God can change your husband. Hello. A couple of y'all wives just went like, yeah, you see, that's why I bring you to church. You guys with me? That's why the Bible was written. It was left for us so that we can learn God's character, so that we can know and learn what he is capable, what he is willing to do, what he is able to do for us. So we read, we study, we listen, we come here so that we can learn God's character, so that we can believe that God is able. That is the very first step in seeing your miracle. That's the very first step in seeing God move and do something incredible in your life is, number one, you've got to believe Jesus asked him do you believe he says I believe but Lord help my unbelief number two believe God will do it for you believe that God will do it for you this is what this man's saying he says yeah Sure, I believe that you're able because I know that you've done it for someone else. 
because I've seen you do it or I've heard stories of you doing it for someone else, but I'm just not sure if you'll do it for me. John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. I'm Go ahead and find it. Leave something there in Mark because we're going to be bouncing back to it. But just flip your Bible a little bit to the right. John chapter 14, verses 12, 13, and 14. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. And the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Verse 12, I love it. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, Jesus is saying, if you believe in me, then you will do everything that I have done on this earth. And he doesn't finish there. He says, and you'll do even greater things. We have to believe not only that God is able, but we have to believe that he can do it in our lives. You see, and this is, if, I, if, if I'm vulnerable, if you allow me to be vulnerable for just a moment, I'm going to be honest and tell you that this is where I struggle. This is what is difficult to me because I believe that God can. I've just, I've been in church my whole life. I've been a pastor's kid my entire life. There's just been way too many times that I've seen God move, that I've seen God do stuff that is just miraculous, um, just incredible. I've seen it. I've heard stories. I've, I've talked with people. I've, it's happened right before my eyes. I know that God is able, but, but here's where I struggle. You see, from day one, from day one of TRC, I believe that God wanted us to do something special. I believe that God wanted us to be a different church in our community. I believe that God wanted us to do church a little bit differently. And I believe that we would reach people that nobody else is reaching. I believe that, that God would grow this church, that God would give us the strength, the wisdom, the grace to grow this church and, and, and to just be a, a light in the middle of the darkness in our community. I believe this from, from day one. But where I struggle is, well, maybe I'm not the right man for the job. I believe, you. listen to me, listen to me. I believe God can do it because I've seen it. I've got a pastor friend of mine. His name's Rick Clendon, and he just, uh, he actually, uh, a couple years ago, gave the church over to his son, who's also named Rick. And they're up in Kentucky. And they're in this little bitty podunk town, kind of like Wicks or Granis. And uh, they average about 400 people on a weekend. So it's not like it's unheard of. It's not like it's never happened. I, I, I have friends, I know people who are doing it. And so that just makes me question, well, I know God can do it because he's doing it for them, but can God do it here? Can God do it through me, with me, or am I just in the way? I just met another man uh, uh, this year, earlier this year at a conference um, his name's Tim, and he lives up in Michigan, and, and uh, he's in a little bit bigger town, but, but, uh, but he's running about 1,500 people on, on a weekend, and he's, and he's in a bigger town, but not much bigger. He's surrounded by a, a, a lot of bigger towns as well, but, but he's doing something, inc- I mean, it's, that's incredible. It's unheard of in a town the size that he's in. 
And so I talk to him. I get, I bounce ideas off of him. I listen to him and I listen to his story and I listen to what God has done for him. And it gives me faith to know that God is able. I know that God can do it. But again, but can he use me? Can he do it here? I know God can do it, but can he do it here? Can he do it through me? Can he do it with me in the way, if you will? See, this is, this is where I struggle. Again, I, I don't have any problems believing that God can do it. But sometimes I do have problems believing that God can do it in my life. And maybe that's where you are. Maybe, maybe you believe that God is able. Maybe you believe because you've seen it do, done in somebody else's life. But, but maybe you question, but is that possible? Well, can God, will God, does God even want to do it in my life? And that's why Jesus leaves us these stories. That's why Jesus lets us know that he's the same today, yesterday, and forever. This is why Jesus tells us, hey, if you'll believe in me and if you'll call on my name, then the things that I have done, you will do also and you'll do even greater things. You'll do even more things. What Jesus is letting us know is, yes, I've done this for others, but I can also do it for you. We used to sing an old song, and I'm not going to try to sing it, but, but, but in the chorus it would say, what he's done for others, he'll do for me. You, you, anybody remember that old song? I don't even know the lyrics in English. I know them all in Spanish, but I don't know the lyrics, lyrics in English. But, but that's basically, that's what, that's what he says, what, what he's done for others. What he's done for others, he'll do for me. Listen to me, church. Maybe, maybe that's the faith that you need to have. Maybe you're, maybe you're stuck in step one. Maybe you're stuck there. You believe that God is able. You know that he can because you've heard it. You've talked to others. You've seen it. But maybe you need to cry out like this father and say, God, I believe, but help, help my unbelief. Now, can you imagine, let's just for a moment, let's just put our shoes for a moment in the shoes of this father. Because the Bible says that he doesn't, he doesn't say it. The Bible says that he what? He cried it out. Because I can only imagine this, this father looking at his young boy. And Jesus just told him that if he would believe that he would heal him. That if he believed that he'd take that possession, to take that demon out of him. If he believed, I can imagine this father thinking, I am the one that is in the way here. I am the one who who is in the way. Because Jesus wants to. Jesus is able, but it's my faith that is lacking. And that's why Jesus cries out and he says, or, or not Jesus, the father cries out and he says, help my unbelief. And maybe that needs to be some of our cries this morning. Maybe some of us, again, we believe that God is able. We believe that God can. We've seen it. We've heard it. We've read it. All, all of the good we know. But maybe our cry this morning is, God, help my unbelief. I know you're able, but, but maybe I doubt if you can do it in my life. God, help my unbelief. I know you can. I know you're powerful enough. I know you're willing, but God, help my unbelief. Number one, believe that God is able. Number two, believe that he will do it 
for you because what we have seen God do for others, he will do for you. Step three is this. Trust in God's divine plans. Trust in God's divine plans. Let's read these scriptures, verses 25, 26, and 27. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying, uh, saying to it, Death and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no, no more. Then the spirit cried out, it convulsed him greatly and came out of him, and he became as one dead. So that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. So imagine, this would have been a great story if it ended with, then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and he came out of him. That would have been a great, happy ending, right? You guys with me? It came, he, 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 uh, he performed the exorcism, whatever you want to call it. That demon came out of him. He's no longer possessed. But, goes on and says, but he fell to the ground, and he became, he acted, he moved no more. He was like a dead person. You see, and this is where we have to learn to trust in God's divine plans because so many times, oftentimes, the process will not look the way that we want it to. You see, that's the problem is so many of us are believing for God uh, to to perform a miracle in our lives, for, for God to do something special in our lives, but we want it the way that we want it, like we treat God like Burger King, have it your way. We can't do that. If we want the healing, if we want the restoration, if we want the changed life, if we want, if we want the forgiveness, whatever it is, and we've got to learn to trust in God's process. Because I can imagine for a moment, the, the Bible doesn't tell us how long this moment was, but for a moment, this father thought that his son was dead. And parents... How many of you would, would agree that a sick son is better than a dead son? So imagine the thoughts running through his mind. Imagine, imagine the chaos and the turmoil going through his heart and through his soul as he sees his son lifeless and as he sees his son and he believes that his son is dead. He's thinking, I, w- I would have preferred him the way he was and to lose him completely. You see, we've got to learn to trust the process. It's not always going to look the way that we want it to look. It's not always going to be the way that we want it to be. It may not always go the way that we would prefer it to go, but we've got to learn to trust the Lord and God's process. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8. I did a series on this. Uh, it's been a few months ago, but he basically says, the Lord says, hey, my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your, your ways because my thoughts are so much higher and my ways are so much greater and so much better than yours. We've got to learn to trust in God's plans, his divine plans. Understand that his will is perfect. Psalms chapter 9, verse 10 says, And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you, even when we don't get the results we were hoping for. Even when we don't get the results that we were hoping for, that we were wanting, 
We trust in God's divine plans. Even if the healing doesn't come, even if the restoration doesn't come, even if they end up walking away from us and from the family and whoever else, even when it seems like God is deaf and he doesn't hear and he's not doing anything and he's not moving, even then, listen, even then we trust in God's divine plans. Even then we believe he is able. Even then we believe that he can in our lives. Again, the process may not look, may not look the way we want it to. And it may last longer than what we want it to and that we hoped that it would. But even then, we trust in God's plans. Amen? Amen. Mark chapter 9, verses 28 and 29, the disciples come to him. and, And when he had come into the house, the disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Spend a little time, listen to me, spend a little time each day so that you can get to know God and know his character. The disciples may have prayed the exact same prayer the disciples may have done, may have, may have gone through some routine, gone through some type of steps, done what they thought was the right thing to do, but they saw absolutely no results. It didn't do anything for them. But Jesus says, these kinds come out, these kind of problems, the solutions are found, or, or these kind of miracles happen because I've been praying, I've been fasting. You see, I know the Father, and I know what he wants. I know his character. And I think that for some of us, that's part of our problem. Some of us, we don't believe because we don't know God's character. You guys with me? Maybe some of you are putting up with something and, and there's something going on in your life that you just think will never, ever change. And you think that God is mute or you think that God is absent from that situation. You think that God has, has, has just turned away and doesn't even care. I promise you he does. You just don't know his character yet. So I want to encourage you. Spend some time every single day. Pray for just a couple of minutes, man. I'm not telling you, I'm not telling you to set your alarm at 3:30 in the morning and wake up and pray for an hour and then read your Bible for another hour and then fast for 40 days at a time. I'm not asking you to do any of those things. I'm just asking you do something. Do something every day to get to know your Father God a little bit better. Do something every single day to grow your relationship with God. Just something Every single day. Maybe it's a prayer. Maybe it's, maybe it's a short devotion, man. I'm telling you, get, get it on your app. If you have an iPhone or an Android, any type of smartphone, get the Version Bible app. And there's hundreds, maybe even thousands of devotionals available. That Some that, yeah, that will take you several minutes and some that will just take a few minutes. Another thing that you can do on this Bible app is there's a few versions in there that it will read it to you. So if you're like me and you spend a whole lot of time behind a steering wheel looking through a windshield, then 
hit play on your Bible every now and then. And listen, just listen to the words of God being read to you. But do something every single day. Grow your relationship with God. Grow your character with, or or grow to learn the character of God. Because I'm telling you, God wants to do exceedingly and beyond your expectations in so many areas of your life. And you don't even know it. You don't even know how much God is on your side, man. You don't even know how much God wants to change that situation for you. You don't even know how much God wants to change your life and change your family. You may not even know because you don't understand his character yet. Spend some time with him every single day. This is the end of the message. For more information, go to www.theremodelchurch.com.